0: Welcome to the Words That Minister Grace podcast. In this podcast, we read excerpts from books that the host finds edifying. Expect to hear from authors such as Matthew Henry, John Calvin, and J.C. Ryle. We take our name from Ephesians 4.29, where Paul exhorts us that our speech should build up each other, or as the King James says, Minister Grace. I am your host, the Fake King Hessey. In this episode, we continue our reading of Calvin's Institutes Book 2, Chapter 8. We will be reading Section 8-10. through 10. 8. The next observation we would make is that there is always more in the requirements and prohibitions of the law than is expressed in words. This, however, must be understood so as not to convert it into a kind of lesbian code, and thus, by licentiously arresting the scriptures, make them assume any meaning that we please. By taking this excessive liberty with Scripture, its authority is lowered with some, and all hope of understanding is abandoned by others. We must, therefore, if possible, discover some path which may conduct us with direct and firm step to the will of God. We must consider, I say, how far interpretation can be permitted to go beyond the literal meaning of the words still making it apparent that no appending of human glosses is added to the divine law, but that the pure and genuine meaning of the lawgiver is faithfully exhibited. It is true that, in almost all the commandments, there are elliptical expressions, and that, therefore, any man would make himself ridiculous by attempting to restrict the spirit of the law to the strict letter of the words. It is plain that a sober interpretation of the law must go beyond these, But how far is doubtful, unless some rule be adopted? The best rule, in my opinion, would be to be guided by the principle of the commandment, viz. to consider in the case of each what the purpose is for which it was given. For example, every commandment either requires or prohibits, and the nature of each is instantly discerned when we look to the principle of the commandment as its end. Thus, the end of the fifth commandment is to render honor to those on whom God bestows it, The sum of the commandment, therefore, is that it is right in itself and pleasing to God to honor those on whom he has conferred some distinction, that to despise and rebel against such persons is offensive to him. Principle of the first commandment is that God only is to be worshipped. The sum of the commandment, therefore, is that true piety, in other words, the worship of the deity, is acceptable and impiety is an abomination to him. So in each of the commandments, we must first look to the matter of which it treats, and then consider its end, until we discover what it properly is that the lawgiver declares to be pleasing or displeasing to him. Only we must reason from precept to its contrary in this way. If this pleases God, is opposite displeases. If that displeases, is opposite pleases. If God commands this, he forbids the opposite. If he forbids that, he commands the opposite. 9. What is now touched on somewhat obscurely will become perfectly clear as we proceed and get accustomed to the exposition of the commandments. It is sufficient thus to have averted to the subject, but perhaps our concluding statement will require to be briefly confirmed, as it might otherwise not be understood, or, though understood, might perhaps, at the onset, appear unsound. There is no need of proving that when good is ordered, the evil which is opposed to it is forbidden. This everyone admits. It will also be admitted without much difficulty that when evil is forbidden, its opposite is enjoined. Indeed, it is a common saying that censure of vice is commendation of virtue. We, however, demand something more than is commonly understood by these expressions. When the particular virtue opposed to a particular vice is spoken of, All that is usually meant is abstinence from the vice. We maintain that it goes farther, and means opposite duties and positive acts. Hence the commandment, Thou shalt not kill. The generality of men will merely consider as an injunction to abstain from all injury and all wish to inflict injury. I hold that it moreover means that we are to aid our neighbor's life by every means in our power. And not to assert without giving my reasons, I prove it thus... God forbids us to injure or hurt a brother, because he would have his life to be dear and precious to us, and, therefore, when he so forbids, he at the same time demands all the offices of charity which can contribute to his preservation. 10. But why did God thus deliver his commandments, as it were, by halves, using elliptical expressions with a larger meaning than actually expressed? Other reasons are given, but the following seems to me the best. As the flesh is always on the alert to extenuate the heinousness of sin, unless it is made, as it were, perceptible to the touch, and to cover of species' pretextes, the Lord sets forth by way of example whatever is foulest and most iniquitous in each species of transgression, that the delivery of it might produce a shudder in the hearer and impress his mind with a deeper abhorrence of sin. In an estimation of sin, we are often imposed upon by imagining that the more hidden, the less heinous they are. This delusion the Lord dispels by customing us to refer the whole multitude of sins to particular heads, which admirably show how great a degree of heinousness there is in each. For example, wrath and hatred do not seem so very bad when they are designated by their own names, but when they are prohibited under the name of murder, we understand better how abominable they are in the sight of God who puts them in the same class with that horrid crime. Influenced by his judgment, we accustom ourselves to judge more accurately of the heinousness of offenses which previously seemed trivial. Thanks for listening. In the show notes, you can find contact information and a link to the text from today. Remember to heed Paul when he says in Ephesians 4.29 to Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers.